Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. Welcome. You have found yourself at Awake in the Dream Radio. Today is Tuesday, August 6, 2013. It's also a new moon today. And we welcome you. I am your co-host, Dr. Dream, and my most amazing Sacred Union partner and our co-host... Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Hello, Laura. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. <laughs> it's a great day, excellent. isn't it? It is. It's a new moon and uh, it's in Leo, so it's just really good to be in that zone of what Leo represents. And yeah, it's great. We had the new moon at what, 251 today? Yeah, exactly. I love this. I love really watching the 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 planets and and honoring the the cycles. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's really awesome to just pay attention to these energies. I mean, all the time, really, because when you think about it, the world is a major, major distraction from, you know, being in this co-creation and being connected to the inner work that these outer forces sort of stimulate and where the inner forces stimulate the outer and that's where it's like co-creative in a relationship so i mean this is where we can leap on an evolutionary level like in just unbelievable strides i guess you could say uh because um you know there's no distractions and just a little bit of focus and attention on these sort of things especially with uh days like a new moon and the grand uh trines we had last week in the star of david it's amazing what what it can do and how far it can take us in such a short amount of time. So I'm excited. Well, it's really important to take advantage of these universal opportunities that are being presented to us. Now we had um, we've had a good week since we were on last. We have right. Um, we went into that Star of David configuration on the 29th. When was our show last week? That would have been. Uh, can't do the math in my head right now. But, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the week went really, really well. Um, I, I know it was the Monday, I believe, was, was that incredible alignment because I remember doing the astrology report and it was like, okay, fill yourself up with this because uh, the rest of the week might deal with the loose ends of whatever didn't get cleared or transmuted. And, and so it's interesting because this week uh, has kind of a similar energy, um, you know, because the new moon today uh, – is all about planting seeds and setting intentions. And that's what we, you know, really wanted to do for the Star of David alignment. That was just such a major um, imprint to put, you know, stuff forth. So this week sort of looks the same as far as like the end of the week, we'll deal with the loose ends that didn't get dealt with or cleared on the new moon, just to sort of clear the decks for it coming to fruition by the time the full moon comes or as it plays out for the rest of the year. So uh, yeah, new moon in Leo. I could talk a little bit about that because uh, the energies are still here. They're still very strong. And it's important that, you know, just because 251 passed, that we still concentrate on, um, you know, what these energies can bring for us. Should oh I talk goodness, a little bit about Oh, my goodness, yes, yes. 
Well, um, this is particularly a strong one uh, for beginning new creative projects and letting ourselves manifest more fun in our lives. So if anybody's been feeling too serious, a little bit of the intensities of some of these other aspects I'll be talking about, which are pretty darn intense, um, you know, just think fun, 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 because we want to plant a big fun seed today. Because uh, that's what life really should be about. Despite all these challenges, I think at the end of the day, the revelation is joy, fun, uh, and, and the inner work to get us there. So work on really clearing anything that gets in the way. Press the reset button if necessary about any of the stuff that's still dragging on. And uh, really look forward to just, you know, what's ahead based on just knowing that you can manifest lots of joy in your life in partnerships with your children. These are all things that represent Leo, um, you know, creativity, any sort of projects that people, you know, really want to launch. Today's a good day. Um, you know, music, art, recreation, fun, all good things. Um, so it's important, though, because tomorrow we have a Pluto-Jupiter opposition. And, um, and we're already feeling the effects. And the new moon basically can increase uh, with this opposition, the desire for power and control. So it's very important for us to stay in balance and to understand the difference between being in our power and trying to have power over others. And, you know, we're all on a healing path, and at times we can slip into kind of losing connection with our higher self, which causes a little bit of uh, plugging into people and feeling, you know, maybe insecurities or the need to just kind of dominate a situation. Because our inner child, you know, has really been through the ringer. I mean, all of us. So be very gentle with yourself if you start to notice some of these things come up and, uh, you know, kind of step back and say, hey, this is the real work right here is to just kind of stop myself and take a deep breath. And really, because these energies can be worked with to the point of making amazing breakthroughs, you know, all throughout the week. We, we, we just have that opportunity. But if we slip and we fall into fear, pride, or the negative ego patterns, it can really pull us into a trap and it can be hard to undo, especially since it's a big seed planting week. I mean, today's where it's peak, but, you know, these energies sort of linger. Um, and so we don't want to set the wrong energy uh, to carry us forward. We don't have that kind of time anymore. So with uh, a T-square configuration coming, uh, coming up between Pluto, Uranus, and Jupiter, um, we'll be able to really work with this. But the thing is, Jupiter likes to ex exaggerate. I mean, it also expands, but it can exaggerate. So with the energy of Pluto, there can be just a lot of passion and just a lot of, like, you know, deep things from beneath the surface connected to maybe what one's view is about the world or just things and ideals that they hold really um, strongly can just erupt if there's a trigger, you know, about some injustice or about something that just holds a lower vibration. You know, it's just the desire to just, it's like the Incredible Hulk, but in a good way, just like all these controls, all this like old paradigm stuff. Some of us will really be feeling a surge of energy to just not want to go there and not want anything to do with it and just to be completely, you know, repelled by it. But at the same time, it has to all be taken with as much grace and ease as possible because this sort of passion can erupt in relationship um, and just anything that we feel is, you know, not hearing us or, you know, it's just intensity, intensity. It's a very, very passionate planet. And uh, we feel everything deeply when we're in connection with Pluto. Um, and then with Uranus involved, it creates lots of tensions and it can just cause one to crack and that Pluto energy just wants to burst forth. So allow yourself to not crack, just sort of be open to the fact that you're probably going to be cracked. So let your sort of energetic be more liquid, more sort of flexible, and then it's not going to just 
want to crack because there's tension. It's going to just sort of accept, have tolerance, and just flow through these energies. So it's possible to work with Uranus without all the shock if one is already kind of open to the spontaneity of the way the universe works. So I have Uranus and Pluto right near my sun, so I know all about this, and definitely something I've been working with for a long time. Um, and, of course, with Pluto, we experience the phoenix, and although the fire might feel intense, uh, it allows uh, the phoenix to be reborn and rise again to begin a new life. And together with Uranus and Jupiter this week, it will provide us the courage we need to reinvent ourselves based on what Pluto has revealed, whether it's not so good or whether it's good. Um, it's, it's just power, and power needs to be directed wisely, because by the time the weekend comes, um, it's... There's a Saturn square Mercury uh, on Sunday, and it's uh, going to uh, allow us to see where we um, maybe didn't handle this energy correctly. We might be busted. Our egos might not even know what we're in for when it's time to really look at, you know, our behaviors. And if we did a good job, then we might feel the rewards and feel really proud of ourselves, which gives us the opportunity to really bring more of our just visions and dreams into manifestation because we're not playing, you know, with the wrong forces and we're not getting stuck in the sandbox where we're building castles, I guess you could say. So I'm going to stop there because I've, I've certainly shared a lot and there's more to be shared and I could go on and on, but I recommend that people check out our newsletter. You can read the full report. And uh, if you haven't signed up for it yet, you can go to one of our websites. Um, so yeah, Dr. Dream, what are your thoughts about this crazy week? Anything to share about what I shared or any questions? Because I, I do have a lot here. Or moving on, we could move right along. Well, if there's anything else that you think would be helpful for us, I don't specifically have any questions. Um, you know, it's helpful to hear all this. It's, you know, we've got so much going on with getting kids ready for school and um, preparing for contact in the desert. And so all this is unfolding while we're at contact in the desert. It's going to be an interesting time out there, uh, it, it sounds like. Yeah, and actually I do have a little more just to share on that note, uh, just to help people with the week. And I know that we definitely are dealing with, I mean, I can feel it already. It's just sort of like, wow, just intensity, getting prepared and just making sure everybody's okay and just, oh, and just all this stuff kind of going on. It's awesome. So basically, you know, the higher intention of Pluto is to get the truth out in the open and to work alchemy. So it's very important that people don't invalidate feelings and emotions and different viewpoints. It's really just about harmonizing. And so when we harmonize, we're able to accept all viewpoints and enjoy just the discussion or just enjoy um, holding space for one another. And so it's important that we share our feelings, but we take responsibility for our reactions. So if we don't like, you know, what somebody has to say, uh, we have to be responsible for the way we address it. You know, if we address it with anger and frustration and ridicule, then that's going to get us further into the hole. So this is where emotions can get the best of us and where we can have a lot of regret. So Pluto wants to reveal truth, so let's hold space for it. Uh, that's what this week's uh, definitely about. So it's important to communicate with an open heart and discipline the self to keep it at the highest level because it'll be easy to slip out of uh, that integrity with these sort of forces because we're asked to do so much, you know, all of us, not, you know, just wake up, do this, do that, function in this human body, take care of all these details. And we don't, you know, this would be perfect astrological energy to go sit on a mountain and just breathe and just go for a nice hike and just walk and just, you know, expand into the greatness and just beauty of everything. Um, 
but that's not the case in this particular matrix, and we are, you know, transcending out of it. But it's through being conscious that we're able to do that, and that's why it's so important. We, we do have an incredible opportunity this week. And so I just hope everybody uses these forces wisely. And if you don't feel you can, just retreat and get some space from everybody until you can, um, you know, be in harmony and, and positive energy. And share feelings from, you know, that space of calmness. Because things do need to be shared, obviously. But uh, in the moment, it just might be, not be the right time. So that's all I'll share on the astrology. Lots of intensity. Um, so take it easy. <laughs> Well, that's excellent. I know we all appreciate um, this uh, guidance and input quite a bit. And again, if you are not subscribed to our newsletter, which has the complete astrological update, you can do that by going to Laura's site, CosmicGaiaSophia.com or TourOfLove.com and just entering your email address. We only send out one a week, and um, we like to make sure that there's a lot of value in there for everyone. Right, and also people might notice really deep stuff that hasn't even come up, um, all of a sudden come up. Lots of purging. Lots of purging. So it's great on a new moon um, to just like really ride this. Really good stuff just for the planet and the collective um, to just connect to all of our hearts because uh, Leo is very much about the heart. So what should people do? Give, give maybe sort of a general suggestion of what people should do after listening to this broadcast. It's still the new moon energies. Um, you know, what, what do you suggest wherever they are in the world? I, I suggest, you know, just taking some time to just really be still and just to sort of let everything kind of dissolve and let yourself like fully relax and just really let go of everything. And, and do your best to let go of everything. Whatever you just have a really hard time letting go of, you know, you might want to write it down and just look at it and say, okay, where is this coming from? What is this about? Is this worth bringing up? Is this about, you know, something deep within the self? Or is it about a situation with someone else or something in the world? And just, you know, see what is the, the most difficult thing to let go of after working to let go of as much as you can. And uh, work uh, to resolve that en energy, whether it be find neutrality, uh, release it through just being letting your you know tears flow. Maybe it has to do with having a conversation that you've been you know not feeling comfortable about having. Um, maybe it has to do with a phone call you need to make or a person you need to resolve something with from the past. Uh, anything you know, anything that's just keeping the mind looping, even on an unconscious level, because sometimes we don't realize how much we do that until we take the opportunity to let go or try and let go. So I suggest that people do that, and then whatever remains, you know, set an intention to uh, transmute it or take it to the highest level or release it, and then it won't be just that one thing that seems to always sabotage things or get in the way. And, you know, even if it's five things, it doesn't matter. But, you know, look at this as a week to really clean house, and so – the first attempt should be to actually try and clean the house and see what is stuck to the floor. And then, yeah, set intentions and work the energy to clear it or to take it to a whole other level. Um, that's, that's, I guess, my intuitive suggestion for this. That's what I could say. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Well, you're so welcome. So lots to look forward to with Contact in the Desert this week. I mean, my gosh, I, I just, I'm so immersed in a... You know, like I always do, taking my presentation to the next level. And, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting, though, to go to Joshua Tree. Lots of amazing. Yeah, it's going to be great. And there's going to be some wonderful friends of ours and, and new friends for us to meet. And um, just the level of 
of information that is um, available out there um, is it's, it's just amazing. I'm looking at the list of the speakers. Of course, Graham Hancock will be live stream. Uh, George Norrie, Stephen Greer, David Wilcock, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, William Henry, Michael Sala, Jason Martell, David Sarita, Richard Dolan, Michael Cremo, Carol Rosen, Travis Walton, of course, you, Laura Eisenhower, James Gilliland, Roger Lear, I mean, it just keeps, Alfred Weber, it just keeps going on and on, Suzanne Taylor, Celeste Yarnell, we're really going to have, uh, Barbara Harris, Douglas Taylor, we're really going to have an amazing time out there. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty blown away. Um, just uh, being a part of this is going to be awesome, and I, I realize I have three and a half hours of material to present. I mean, that's, that's pretty big. Uh, I normally, except for Star Knowledge Conferences, don't get a chance to share that much, which is great because maybe it means I can kind of slow down and <laughs> I have plenty of time. Good. That'll be fun. So you've got one presentation and then one workshop. Yes. The lecture's two hours and the workshop's an hour and a half. And the lecture is Cosmic Gaia Sophia, Our Hidden History and Alchemy into Ascension. And then the workshop is... I believe it's Timelines, Zero Point Energy, and Ending the Archonic Controls. And uh, what, what's the name of your talk? And when are you speaking? Oh, wow. When am I speaking? That's good. Sunday. Is it Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just show up and uh, do what they tell me. So Sunday, I guess it's at um, 2.30 looking at the schedule here. And um, this is my uh, the ever-evolving presentation on Raising Our Frequency holding our frequency, um, the alchemy of our daily lives. So um, it's fun. I just, I, I really love this. Been pulling lots of new information in the last several weeks. And it's, um, these, these opportunities are so important and it's so important for us to all gather and, and share these energies and share the intention of expansive consciousness. Definitely. I mean, we are, you know, free energy and the way we direct our energy and the intentions we set and the information and truths we expose and release and, and, and um, articulate and put out there is uh, what is actually allowing us to really move into these higher earth energies. And, you know, of course, number one is our relationship with ourself and our, when everything in our immediate environment, but you know, this is huge and I'll never forget it. Um, I can't even remember who said it now. I think it might have even been Dan Burrish, who was a whistleblower for MJ-12. You know, it's all about the timelines and the different technologies used to manipulate, you know, timelines. And also with, you know, a strong awareness of the natural stargates and the real ascension path. And he said that we crossed over the solstice period and it's because of the unity events and people gathering and sharing this sort of stuff that's allowed us to sort of keep the uh, – Ascension timeline going because it almost got completely and totally hijacked. I mean, this was really just, and I had dreams, reoccurring dreams when I was a kid that at the last minute we would save the world, you know? I mean, I know that's a little bit dramatized because I was a kid and it was dreams, but, and it just reminds me of all that, just, just in the nick of time. And this is the power of the human spirit, you know? It's, it's powerful, even if it is just at the nick of time, it's inevitable that we're strong enough to overcome anything. Yeah, and I love that, and we're certainly up to it, and Maybe it's not um, safety in numbers, you know, like the old paradigm expression was, but maybe it's momentum in numbers, you know, like all of us coming together and just just reestablishing or recommitting to that forward momentum and that, that evolutionary process we've all committed to. 
Oh, definitely. And, and I mean, the most simple things are the things to remember, you know, just integrity, love, universal love, creating harmony, you know, caring about, you know, just being guardian, a guardian for the planet and being a, uh, basically a divine embodiment of the self by being really familiar with the truth of who we are. It's like, that's, that's all it really takes. I mean, I know I could list more, but this is not complicated stuff, but we have been very, very wounded as a humanity. I've been learning so much more about cheer on the wounded healer as an asteroid. And it just blows my mind just when I look at it based on the larger picture and what it represents. Just, you know, the wounding of just the collective and how we each carry fragments of that. And we, you know, are born into this dimension to really work on, you know, whatever piece of the wounding we came into, you know. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that becomes our work, which is great because uh, it's not like the thing we have to be ashamed of and hide and feel alone about. It's the very thing that we're able to master and be a warrior um, of spirit to, you know, rise above it and to change everything, you know, in the collective. So, you know, wave your wound flag and let's heal it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, this is appropriate for tonight because we have um, our um, interview tonight is going to um, tell us how we can find proof that we are actually creating um, our reality. Yes, I'm very excited for the show tonight. Um, she's a new name for me, so this is, this is really going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean it's it's fascinating. We we found her through a um a, a post of Wayne Dyer's on on Facebook and um that was just a couple weeks ago and in that two weeks since we contacted her, she's ended up on the New York Times bestseller list. That's excellent. And it's about, you know, thoughts creating reality, so it's it's great to have this on a new moon. Well, it most certainly is my pleasure to introduce tonight's guest. Her name is Pam Grout, and she is the author of 16 books, two iPhone apps, and more travel articles than she can count. Her most recent book, which is how I found her, is E-Squared, Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments That Prove Your Thoughts Create Your Reality. And she just made the New York Times bestseller list with this, which was an intention that she set when she first began writing books. Um, I understand that next up, she'll be appearing with Oprah on Super Soul Sunday. She also writes for People Magazine, CNN Travel, Men's Journal, and her own blogs at PamGrout.com and GeorgeClooneySleptHere.com. It's my pleasure to introduce Pam. Are you with us? I am. It's great to be here. Thank great you so much. You. It's really wonderful to have you on our show. This is so exciting. And I just want to jump right in and just ask you uh, a little bit about your background and your evolution as a writer as far as the work and material you present. You know, I've been a writer from the time I was in second grade. I'm one of these people that was very lucky. I never had to think, what do I want to do with my life? I read a lot when I was a kid. In fact, in second grade, I got a a special certificate, you know, from my teacher for, for reading 256 books, you know, those little short picture books. But I think anybody that reads a lot eventually comes to the conclusion that they want to also write. And so I've been writing stories since I was in second grade. And then I worked for a newspaper for a while. I, I'm, I guess I'm still a journalist. You know, I still do write articles and things like that. But um, so I've done all kinds of writing, everything from writing scripts to writing um, books to articles to, um, you know, training films. I've done about every kind of writing you can imagine, fundraising letters. So um, I, I, 
I have always been a writer, and um, I've done it in different forms. And it's one of the great things about being a writer is that I can write about what really touches my heart. I can, if I want to go to a certain place, I can get an assignment to go there. You know, as a travel writer. And, and right now with this book E Squared, I'm wanting to share these principles that I've used to really create, you know, a life of my dreams. And so, you know, I can change my focus from, you know, what I was writing about to writing about this now. So it's really, it's just like the greatest thing because it's a, it's a perfect way to express, you know, express what you want and to have that, you know, that, um, that stage to be able to express what you want. Oh, I just, I love all of this, Pam. It's, it's, it's exciting and it's, it's, it's exciting to, to see where you've come from. I'm, I've, I've done lots of traveling around the world, and so I love all the travel writing and, and just this aspect of you as a world traveler. Um, where did that develop for you? Because it, it plays such a huge role. Well, I grew up in a family. My father was a Methodist minister, and, and we didn't have the money to travel in an airplane, but we would pack up the station wagon, you know, the, the three kids in the back of the station wagon, and we would you know, drive all over the country. My dad was originally from Texas, my mom from Michigan, so of course we'd always go visit them, but along on our little journeys we would also go you know out to california and and so we went to all all over the united states probably went to all so anyway when you i i got the travel bug as a kid because my you know my dad loved to travel and so we travel a lot and then you know as i got older and started writing then um I, I found out there was a, such a thing as travel writing. I mean, I was traveling anyway and um, writing about my travel, just like essays and things like that, but I didn't know there was a field of travel writing. But then um, I had an editor call me at a magazine that I had pitched for, and she says, oh, do you do any travel writing? And of course, you never say no to an editor. And I said, oh, yes, I do travel <laughs> writing. She says, well, where are you going next? I'm like, a friend of mine was going to Tampa. So I said, oh, I'm going to Tampa. So I get off, you know, so she gave me an assignment. I get off and I call my friend, can I go to Tampa with you? <laughs> so that, that's how I became an official travel writer, although I'd always been a writer and I'd always written about some of the travels that I had done. But now I, um, it's just become, you know, one of my passions. And I really picked it up a lot here lately again because my daughter went off to college um, when she, I was a single parent raising her on my own and so I kind of curtailed my traveling for a little bit I mean I took her with me quite a bit but you know I didn't want to go as much and um, now she went off to college so I've resumed traveling at full gusto <laughs> oh that's, oh, that's amazing. great yeah um, so tell us a little bit about uh, just how your shift sort of happened from, you know, writing about travel to more metaphysical type um, work? I've always been interested in metaphysical work. Um, I did a seminar back when I was in my early 20s. I mean, I took a seminar and um, I was just blown away. You know, again, I grew up in a, a Methodist minister's family. And of course, I always believed in God and this force, but, it, you know, it didn't make sense to me some of the, some of the judging and things that I'd heard about. So, um, I hadn't given it up completely, but, but once I found out about this, you know, like unity churches and more new thought principles, it just totally made sense for me. And then I started using a lot of these principles in my own life to create, you know, this career that I really like. So um, I guess I just got lucky. And although I guess we're never lucky, we create this. I, it was just meant to happen that I would, uh, you know, take this particular workshop that introduced me to these principles, and then I've pretty much been um, practicing them and fascinated with them ever since. Oh, cool. I love the as I'm 
as I'm, you know, kind of going through your bio and, and looking at your books, it, it's what a, what a treat it is to be able to make a living um, focusing on just things that you're passionately and creatively drawn to. I mean, that's that right there um, is sort of a foundation for um, – for the E squared book, because it, it, it appears that you've always really manifested well. I mean, so many people are in jobs that they do not because they love the job, because it can pay for the rest of their life, um, you know, and, and everything like that. You seem to have found a great balance with all of that. Right. In fact, one of the blog posts I did the other day says why I'm the luck or what was it? Why I'm the luckiest person on the planet. And I really do feel that way <laughs> that I'm the because you know I suppose you can be a celebrity, but then everybody knows you. But I get to write and do what I love, but but I can still go incognito. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I can still go places without people following me around. So I, so I get to do you know amazing things. Um, but I also can have a real simple life, you know, when I come back home. And so it really is just a perfect – I mean, I I honestly love what I do. I can't even imagine ever retiring. You know, a lot of people, they work, like, so oh, I can't wait to retire. I mean, I would never want to. I mean, when I have a, a free day, sometimes I just do what I do anyway when I'm working. So, I mean, I really, uh, you know, appreciate how, how lucky and fortunate I am. And I do think this is the way it's supposed to be. I think the biggest thing is I just recognize that that is the way the world is supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to work for people. And we only block it when we have all the thoughts that it's not that way. And I guess I was just lucky enough to get it. Maybe in that workshop I did in my twenties that, you know, the world is, you know, the world does have our back and the world does, you know, we were meant to be happy. We're meant to live in joy. And that is the natural state. And once you really get that and really believe it and surrender to that, that's exactly what's happened. I mean, that's what's happened for me. Right. I'm so fascinated by this new book, E Squared, and it really does talk about, you know, energy experiments that prove your thoughts create your reality. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this all came to you and what, um, you know, this book is about? Well, again, I've read a lot about this kind of stuff for quite a long time. I've been really fascinated with it. But it became really clear to me that unless you actually put it to work and you actually saw it, at work in your life, you weren't going to get it at that really deep cellular level. And so I think what happens is we know this stuff theoretically. And so what I created were these experiments. They're real simple. They're do-it-yourself things. So you can test these principles. Um, you can, then you get real-time proof that this does work. Wow, this really does work. And as I said in another one of my blog posts, if I didn't believe it worked before I wrote the book, and of course I do because I mean, that's why I wrote the book, but if I didn't, I couldn't help but believe it now because I get stories literally every day. I open my email to find dozens and dozens of stories from people and their amazing manifestations. You know, they're, they're getting from these experiments. I think the thing about the experiments, by setting up a time frame, what it does is it jars us into paying attention. I mean, like I said, I think miracles and blessings and that stuff is swimming around us all the time, but we're, we've got blinders on and we can't see it. So really, we're doing these experiments to see if it works, but really what we're doing is like giving ourselves the framework to notice. 
So I think as much as anything, but what it, it, there's nine spiritual principles, things, things like, you know, whatever you focus on expands. There is this force, your energy. They're all, you know, just different principles that you've probably heard before or people have heard before. But here's a, a quick little test you can do. Most of the experiments are 48 hours uh, or, or less. And you can do them, and you realize it really does work. So when you see it with your own two eyes, it gives you this confidence that, hey, this stuff really works. And, you know, I'm definitely not stopping there. I mean, I just want people to understand that it really works and then, you know, to go on and create this world that really does work for all of us, you know, to get rid of some of those negative dominant paradigms that we have, um, you know, false beliefs that we've been <laughs> acting under over the last, I don't know, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So share with us, Pam, what what are people – finding as they're doing this? I mean, because a lot of it has to do with looking very deeply at our own belief systems, which then takes us back to how those belief systems are created and this and that. So, so people are going through a really big transformational process by, by doing this. Speak to us a little bit about that. Well, you know, more than going back and looking at why these things happened, I think it's looking at what you want to happen and taking your focus off that. I think we spent a lot of time with processes and trying to um, figure out, you know, why did I do this or why did I create that, you know, and all that stuff. And that's really putting your eye on the wrong the wrong focus. The focus needs to be, okay, whatever happened in the past, it, it's irrelevant now. What do, what do I want to do from now on? And, and to realize that you have the power to do that. You can change. You can, And as long as you don't wake up each day thinking it's going to be just like yesterday, which is what we all do. I mean, the only reason everything looks the same today as it did yesterday is because that's what we expect. I mean, we do draw out of this field of potentiality whatever we expect. And, you know, that's what we have to let go of is this idea that it's going to be exactly like it was yesterday. Anything can be possible. I mean, we could wake up tomorrow totally, completely different if we would let go of, you know, of what we think it has to be. So, I mean, that's how powerful of creators we are. I mean, and so the more you can believe in magic and, I mean, then magic happens. I mean, it's really the way it's supposed to be. And we just don't realize that. We don't um, we don't. We just hold on to hold on to the old ways and to the false programming that we've, you know, been living as we go along. But it really is possible to just let it go and to expect amazing miracles. And I don't know if I actually answered your question. In fact, I was thinking, what was your question? <laughs> I don't remember if I even answered it. But oh, you did fine. We'll do okay, that. okay, just good. <laughs> flowing through with all of this. You're you're yeah. you're awesome. Good. So uh, maybe uh, you can give some examples. Just um, you know on a daily basis, how the power of thought really does, you know, shape everything, even, you know, our words and just, I mean, I know that that can be, you know, sort of obvious, but I don't think people really take full responsibility. So is there anything, you know, you can suggest to, you know, help people take more power, more of their power back? Well, you know, one of the things that has made a huge shift for me, and, um, and I love this, and it's really simple. I call it my AA 2.0, you know, we've all heard of the 12-step program, you know, the AA program. This is a two-step program, and it's AA 2.0. And the first step is you get up every morning. This is what I do. I get up. Something amazingly awesome is going to happen to me today. And that's AA, you know, amazingly awesome. (laughs) That's step number one. And then the second step, I have what I call my power posse. There's six friends. And then I've also got some people that are doing this on Twitter as well, but we text blessings to each other, what our blessings were from the day before. And each day they have to be different, that you 
you cannot repeat a blessing. And I've always been big on gratitude and that kind of thing, but what this has done is really opened my eyes. I mean, I always say I feel like, you know, Lewis and Clark out there scouting new important territory because I'm finding new amazing things happening all the time. And that whole idea of looking for so that's the second step and I mean how easy is that but it radically changes your viewpoint I mean you're actively looking for blessings you're starting out saying uh, something awesome is going to happen to me today so that's how you start your day you're pre-paving that that's the beginning thought and then you're right you know you I text these blessing blessings to my friends and of course I get their texts as well and it's supposed to be in the first in the first hour and it's just amazing I mean that sounds simplistic it sounds easy but it is so powerful it makes all the difference again it helps us recognize all that's already there. I mean, it's kind of like the parent. You know, if you don't play with the toys you already have, why would you get new ones? You know what I mean? Appreciate what you already have. And I know we've heard this over and over and over again, but it is so powerful. It changes your physiology. It changes everything by looking with, you know, with the eyes of gratitude and looking, you know, for blessings and looking in that way that, you know, that anything can happen. Uh, right. This is great. Now, you know, we, we say that everyone kind of already knows this, but I think when we look around um, at the collective, um, there's a lot of denial about this. And so here you are putting a book out that is saying this is proof. Well, we know there's lots of skeptics in the world. Um, what, what are you running into from, from that camp, the skeptic camp? You know, I have heard from a few people that, of course, don't like it. I've heard a little bit from some fundamentalist Christians that think it's, you know, too irreverent or, you know, not respectful enough. But that's not my intention at all. You know, the way I, and it's, you know, someone who, you know, is a follower of Jesus, and I actually consider myself a follower of Jesus to a certain extent, but I see him as, the way sure, you know, someone who got these principles. He knows, he knew this stuff, you know, when he was on on the planet you know he knew this he was able to do this he could make water into wine he could um you know walk on water he could do all those things that we could do as well so he was like the guy showing us but a few people have um not liked that because i say in the book you know jesus said follow me not he didn't say worship me and, I, and you know i think we've missed out on a lot of um a lot of our own power by worshiping him as some as somebody different than us. I mean, he was just our way short, showing us what we too can do. So there's been a little bit of um, dissension from that camp. And then there's some people that, you know, think it's all a bunch of hooey. But, you know, if you believe it's a bunch of hooey and you think, oh, this can't work, your thoughts don't create your reality, well, guess what? You can create that reality that <laughs> the thoughts don't create. So, so you know, that, you're always going to get a few people like that. But overwhelmingly, I hear from people that are just experiencing the most amazing miracles, everything from finding you know, a wedding ring that they lost three years ago. I mean, and they, you know, they wanted to find it too. One of my favorite stories, and I've told this one a few times because this one happened pretty early on. In the Volkswagen jet experiment, I say, you know, to make an intention to pull something out of the field of potentiality, you know, you know, this is what I want to see. And I had suggested, you know, butterflies or feathers or something like that. But people have picked all kinds of different things. But there was a one white feather story that I think is really funny. This girl you know, made the intention to um, to find a white feather, to see a white feather during, you know, the experiment. And so she and her family, and she's this, I've since gotten to know her a little bit, and she's really good on set it and forget it, because I really think that's 
very important. You know, once we try to get involved, our little pea brains get involved, well, we can't figure stuff out. So it's really better just to set it and forget it, you know, let, let the universe take care of it. But anyway, so she decided she's going to look for um, white feathers. She and her family go out geocaching. They're driving back home on the interstate. This is out in, um, I think, South Carolina. But anyway, so the traffic slows down all of a sudden, and her daughter says, Mommy, look, somebody killed a chicken. Well, turns out for four miles along the highway, four miles as this traffic had slowed down, there were, it was covered with white feathers. As she said, I don't know if a mattress truck overturned or what, but I mean, four <laughs> miles of white feathers on both sides of the interstate. I mean, how weird is that? Okay, so then the traffic picks back up. They go home. They get to um, their welcome mat, walk in the front door. There's one little feather sitting there on their welcome mat. And I love that story. And as she said, what that convinced her is that, you know, we ask for so little. I mean, we ask the universe for so little because we think we don't deserve it or for whatever reason. And the universe is saying to her, look, I can give you so much more. You want one feather? I'll give you millions of feathers. So anyway, I thought that was kind of a fun little story. But I mean, it goes, I mean, it's just across the board. One of the things lately, for some reason, I've been hearing a lot, the Albie Einstein principle, which is basically you are a field of energy in an even bigger field of energy. And that one I have people make these little Einstein wands is what I call them. It's just basically a metal coat hanger. And, and so people are sending me these videos of them using these coat hangers because, you know, when your thoughts are positive and you're expecting good things, these hangers go, they go out. And it's really amazing when you're thinking, um, you know, not such good thoughts. You can you watch the hangers move. I mean, you're not doing anything. You're just holding the straw. You have no contact with the actual with the actual wand, the Einstein wand, and you just see your. It's just like wow, just watching your thoughts at work. It's really amazing. So that's one I've just recently been getting a lot of. You know, it seems like it goes in cycles, but every one of the experiments, I hear all kinds of different stories. <laughs> one woman, you know, wrote me, said she won $100,000. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. So all kinds of things. It's, it's really been a lot of fun. So <clears throat> just because I know from, from reading the little bit that I have about you that you have a very close uh, connection with your daughter, um, and uh, it, it, share with us what what it's like evolving with her because I get the feeling that, that you two have had that kind of relationship where you have evolved together and I know she traveled with you and, and this and that, but kind of give us an idea of, of the impact that um, your life with your daughter has had on you. Well, I mean, she's, it's the greatest thing I've ever done being a parent. I mean, that's what I always say because I wasn't necessarily um, – you know, aware that, that I was, was looking to be a parent. You know, I was unmarried. I was single. Um, so it, she's been just such a great blessing to me. But as far as how we've evolved together, um, I mean, I've had all kinds of different things happen. Like even the fact, okay, I went with a friend that was going to a psychic. This is, you know, before Taz was born. And, you know, for the most part, I was a travel writer doing all this kind of stuff. And I go into the psychic, and you know, she was going around the room, you know, telling everybody what their next, you know, big purpose in life. And the psychic says, oh, this is interesting. And I said, oh, what, what? You know, as you do when a psychic's about to tell you something, especially when they say it's interesting. She says, your next role in life is parenthood. And we walked out of there, and I said to my friend, I said, you know, 
I don't know that I buy what the psychic said. But then within three months, I was pregnant. So it's like, wow, that was interesting. So I think, and oh, the other thing the psychic did tell me is that my, that I not only was I going to be a parent, but that I was that my daughter would be. Um, you know, was going to do something really important in life. Well, I mean, you could say that to probably any parent, and actually I do think that's true. I think every person does something really important. But I think it made such a big impression on me that I really raised her with such a great respect. In fact, I heard a joke one time. They said the only reason that, um, you know, Jesus grew up to do what he did is because, you know, God had told Mary that he was going to be that way. So that's what she looked for in her child. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that's, that's who we all are. But if your mom expects you to be that, then of course you're going to, you know, grow into that because your mom sees you that way. But as far as how we've evolved together, I have pretty much let her um, evolve in her own way. You know, I haven't tried to put anything. Again, growing up as the daughter of a Methodist minister, I had a lot of, um, you know, ideas thrust upon me, and I'm not at all sorry about that, and I really like that, but I was really clear that I wanted Taz to be able to make her own decisions about that kind of thing. Like, I go to a unity church um, here in Kansas, and I never forced her to go. Once she quit wanting to go, you know, that was fine. She didn't have to go. So I was really you know, open-minded to her doing it and, and just trusting and knowing. As they say, God has no grandchildren. <laughs> so I was always trusting, you know, that she, she will find her own way in whatever, you know, it is that she plans to do. But, but she's been with me through so many of the book successes and different things. In fact, the first book that I wrote, I self-published it, and it, was a yellow co- it had a yellow cover, and she must have been four years old. In fact, I started writing the books when she was born because I wanted to stay home and do the longer projects rather than the travel articles, which is what I was doing. So anyway, she creates this little yellow brick road of my books. You know, she lines them all up, you know, as four-year-olds will do. And it was so cute because here we had the yellow brick road, um, you know, of my books. And, you know, that book did go on to be, you know, pretty successful. It eventually got bought out by Simon & Schuster. And so she's kind of been with me. One of my books, I, I did a recycle this book, and it was all on um, recycled grocery bags. And she actually designed some of the things on the front of that. And the local newspaper, you know, did a story about us, and she and I were on the front cover. You know, she was standing in a trash can because, you know, we, it was all recyclable stuff. It was called Recycle This Book and 72 and a Half Other Ways to Save Yo Mama Earth. <laughs> that was a little thing we did for the Earth for Earth Day. So she's been really involved in a lot of my writing projects. She, again, she's traveled with me quite a bit. To, as I always say, she um, she was a cover girl before she was age four. I did a story once on backpacking with llamas, and you know, again the the llamas carry the bags, so Taz was leading a llama, and she's on the front page of, or front cover of this magazine. So it's like, oh, yeah, she's a cover girl. <laughs> but anyway, um, she just, you know, has, has been with me a lot on the journey. And, you know, she's a, going into her sophomore year of college, so um, it would be interesting to see what she ends up deciding to do. She seems to, you know, really be a good manifester. She seems to be able to manifest just about anything she wants to do. So anyway, I'm proud of her. I could, I could rave about my daughter forever, you know. <laughs> well, I, I want you to update your website because I know when I was I looking at it, it said, and she's going into high school next year and now sophomore in college. So um, it is. I know. I put up my website a long time ago and didn't update it at all. And then when this book, new book came out, Hey House sent me a book and said, oh, you've got to start blogging. You've got to get into the social media. I mean, I had a Facebook, all that. So anyway, I have started blogging. So now I'm on my website every day, as, you know, or, or my blog, I guess it's kind of a blog website. But I still haven't um, updated some of the 
I mean, I did put the new book on things like that, but I haven't, you know, I, I do. I should update those other sections on my website as well. But, yeah, I think it says she's still 15 or 16 or something. But, yeah, yeah she's exactly. now 19. So, yeah. Well, I think it's excellent, you know, just to be raised with that awareness because we do create our reality. And if we get, you know, stuck in ruts and we just can't get out of it, it just starts to sink us into a deeper hole. And I saw, you know, that you have this great creativity test on your website. Can you oh. <laughs> tell us a little bit about how you created that and what people could get from that? Well, I love that little test. And uh, it has one question. Obviously, I'm into real simplistic things. You know, I've got my two-step program and my one-step uh, creativity test. And as I say in there, you know, there's the LSAT test to see if you're good enough to get into law school, the MCAT to see if you're good enough to get into medical school. Well, here's my test to see if you are a creative person. And it's question number one, are you breathing? <laughs> and if you answer yes to this question, that means you are highly creative. So, yeah, I actually put that little test in my book called Art and Soul, which is a book that came out, uh, let's see, Taz would have been about five or six when that one came out. So, anyway, that's just a, a former book of mine that I'm actually thinking about bringing back out because it's one of my favorite books. And um, it did go out of print, but it's, it's a fabulous book. But it's all about creativity. I, I mean, I think all of us are really creative. And I think if we're going to really change the world in the way we want to change it, we've got to use our imagination. I mean, again, when you keep, if you stay in the rut and you keep seeing today as, as yesterday, you know, over and over and over again, well, things are going to continue to be the same. But if you really truly use your imagination and start focusing on new possibilities, new ideas, and even open it up to, to be a vessel or to be a channel for the new stuff that wants to come in. I mean, you know, anything could happen. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. So, Pam, is this your, you, you, you said you had sold, or no, I had read you had sold a manuscript or sold one of the books to Hay House. So is this your second deal with Hay House, the E Squared? Well, no, it's my first book with Hay House, E Squared. They just um, hired me or contracted me to write a follow-up book, my second book with them, which they, it's kind of called E Cubed at this point. That's the tentative title. It may get changed. I don't know if that'll be it. it it's not due for a while, and it will come out, I think, in August. So it will come out a year from now. But it's, I guess because, you know, it's like anything, this E Squared has been so successful. In fact, there's this big backlog, this big demand and people keep saying I can't get the book I can't get the book um, but I, mean, I guess they ran out of copies so they had to reprint it or so it, it's coming you know <laughs> but but anyway but because it's been successful they um, asked me to do a, a, a next book and it was my editor's idea to call it e-cubed which kind of tickled me I thought that's pretty funny and one morning I woke up and just all these great ideas you know almost downloaded completely into my mind I mean obviously I have to write the thing but I definitely you know have all the ideas for e-cubed and whether or not it'll stay that I, I don't know if you've ever gone through the whole book process but it often changes you know titles subtitles that can change as you go along but I kind of like really cool titles so um, we'll see we'll see how that goes <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me, how long has the book been on the New York Times bestseller list? Uh, this is the second week for it. It it came. It was the print edition, the New York Times book review on last Sunday was the first. It was listed as number six under advice, self help, miscellaneous. It went to number two this next week. So the issue that comes out on Sunday, I mean, it's not in print yet, so I haven't picked it up. I, it'll be number two, and so I don't know it'll be the week. So only two weeks now. It's just 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 happened. Well, that's that's exciting. Have had you made oh, the New York so Times exciting. bestseller list prior to this? 
No, no, this is my first book that did. And it, so, no, it was definitely a real thrill for me. That's an intention I made, you know, some time ago. And so it's really exciting to see it come to fruition. Now, I see in your bio that you're a millionaire. So your other books must have done well also. Now, if you keep reading in that, it says I've made these five or six affirmations, whatever it is, and one of them has yet to come true. <laughs> so um, that could be the one. I said, I'll let you guess which one is yet to come true, but um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've gotten a lot of flack for that lately. I might have to change that part of my website as well. <laughs> and in fact, my intention, um, you know, to be, that I'm Oprah Super Soul Sunday, that's an intention too. That isn't a you know, an ink deal or anything yet. So just so you know on that one as well. But I, I don't want to confuse people, but, but you know, but these are my is, intentions. This is what you're all about. I mean, these yeah, are yeah, your totally. intentions and they're, I mean, it's, it's the, the experiments of your life. Um, and, and so I, I love reading that and I love the, uh, you know, I, I love that it gets people questioning and that it's getting you some flack because uh, it's not so bad when we trigger people. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> So um, were, were these always thoughts and revelations that you had growing up as far as creativity and creating your reality, or uh, did this come later? Did you have you know, parents that encouraged this outlook, or, or were you very pioneering on your own with some of these breakthroughs and awarenesses? Well, as far as creativity, I've always been really creative, but I would argue that every kid is really creative, and then it kind of gets um, – you know, beat out of you or whatever as you go along. So I would say that my parents um, maybe didn't encourage creativity but didn't discourage it either. So they, you know, allowed me to be creative. In fact, one of my favorite uh, scenes from a, a play that Robert Fulgham, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten, there's a, there's a thing where, you know, a scene where in kindergarten they ask the kids, who's creative? Or no, 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 she goes, the teacher says, who's dancers? They all raise their hand. Who are writers? They all raise their hand. Who is um, singers? You know, they all raise their hand. Then in fourth grade she asks them, and, you know, not quite as many of them are going to admit to being singers, dancers, poets, whatever. And then by the time they're in high school, there's like one or two people that will still raise their hand. So my contention is, is that all of us are very creative, well, obviously from that little test that I did, but that we don't always use it because, again, we're trying to make a living or we're, you know, following that dominant paradigm that, um, you know, that's kind of brainwashed into us. I mean, even school and, and learning is the most exciting, amazing thing. And I'm not sure how it got to be, you know, where kids don't think it's fun or that, you know what I mean, because it's learning and excitement. I don't know. But, but anyway, that's a whole other topic to talk about. <laughs> so <clears throat> as far as... Um, you know, being part of the Hay House family. I mean, so many people in our in our field. That's sort of the ultimate is to be picked up by by Hay House and and um, so many uh, you know wonderful authors that have had an impact on all of us are in there. Tell us a little bit about what your experience is like uh, being part of Hay House now. Well, it's been fabulous again because. Um you know, I didn't, this is my first book that's an official New York Times bestseller, so that's been really good. Um, I think as much as anything, I made that intention, and I think, you know, I'm playing as big a part of that in, as they are, but but um, they certainly now, they're, they're all excited about the book now, so they're, you know, playing their part as well, and of course, they picked up the book in the first place, um, but it's been a great experience. One of the most um, the, the greatest things I can say, when they sent me the cover, you know, the artist or the author does get to 
um, look at the cover, and I just didn't like the one they sent me. It's like, oh, and so I, I mentioned that. You know, they sent me three different um, potential covers, and none of them I was crazy about. So they were kind enough, and I cannot praise them enough for this, to send me, I think, five more covers. And most of the, no, maybe they sent me a second batch, and I didn't like this, but then the third batch, I think it was, there were five or six covers, and I loved almost every one of them and was able to choose the one that I eventually did and, and love it. I mean, I think it's a great cover. So they were really good in working with me on that. Um, and, again, they're the ones that sent me that book platform about um, – you know, creating a platform, a social media platform, and that really is the way, you know, you can launch a book. And I think had they not sent me that book and had I not started blogging, you know what I mean, I think that's kind of gotten this whole momentum going. And it's like I should have been doing that ages ago with my other books, but, you know, just didn't know about it. So they've really helped me a lot in, um, you know, kind of developing a platform for myself. And for one thing, I'm kind of – I don't know, jack of all trades and master of none. You know, I do the travel writing. I've got the book about creativity. I do the, you know, you know what I mean? I, I write about a lot of different things. Again, something catches my fancy, and then I go after that for a while. So um, I think they have really helped me kind of develop a platform and even to see how it all fits together. So um, I have nothing but, you know, high praise for Hay House. Oh, that's, that's fabulous. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the travel uh, website and George Clooney slept here and what people can find um, about all that well that was just a fun project that I that I started um, I've been a travel writer for quite a long time as I said and kind of when everything changed you know everything went to the internet because I used to write for you know magazines mostly magazines newspapers and then everything changed so you know, at first I was resisting it. You're like, oh, no, I want it to stay the same. I liked how it worked, you know. So, but finally I decided to embrace the change, and that's when I started a blog. And I was trying to think of something, you know, that would develop traffic because, you know, in, in that world it's like you've got to develop traffic for your blog or whatever. And so I, because I was a stringer for People Magazine, although truth be told I live in Kansas, so I tend to do more like heroes, um, you know, the everyday hero type stories or angels or sometimes there's crime stories out here. So I don't really cover the celebrity stuff, but I thought, you know, people are obsessed with the whole celebrity thing. So I just decided it's a takeoff on that George Washington slept here. You know, that's an old thing. They always say, oh, George Washington slept here. So I decided I was going to do a luxury travel blog, and it's George Clooney slept here. And it's not at all about George Clooney, although I think I've probably stayed at a place that he's stayed at, and I've you know mentioned him in the blog. But but basically, it's just a travel blog and a luxury travel blog. I figure, hey, if you're going to travel, and I love camping and all that stuff too, but I figure might as well might as well go five star while I'm traveling. You know, might as well do it upright. <laughs> I just think it's incredible how much you do and how multifaceted your work is, and just how much you cover. I just think it's incredible. <laughs> ah, well, thank you, thank you. It's fun. <laughs> and. Just a, a quick follow-up on that. Has George? Have you heard from George Clooney at all? No. Somebody else asked me that the other day, but no, I have not. Um, I mean, I doubt if he even knows it exists. It's not a huge travel blog, although the, my traffic's definitely picking up. I mean, it's it's respectable, but it's not you know huge or anything like that. But no, I haven't heard a thing from from George. <laughs> That'd be a thrill. Hey, we were both born in Kentucky. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the uh, travel blog earlier and saw a great article um, about um, uh, things to do down in Cancun and the, that whole area that are like out of the ordinary. And I saw things that were like, wow, I want to go do that. And so um, 
it's uh, I love the site, and I think the the name's quite uh, clever, and I'm sure it gets um, it gets some attention for sure. Yeah, now, no, it's a lot of fun. Now it 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 seems to me that the daughter of a Methodist minister wouldn't be so fearless. You you really have this energy about just you know being out there and doing what you do, and it 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 feels like you don't really allow any fear or anything to hold you back. I do understand you haven't yet jumped out of a plane yet, but but you're still here, so there's plenty of time for that. But but talk to us about that. Were you were you always this way as a child or? How did it, how well, did that you know, happen? and to, I mean, I still have fear. I mean, I, I, I don't want people to think that this is all, you know, that I'm constantly on top of the, I mean, I, I am always pretty happy, you know, but, but I've gone through struggles and I've gone through times when I've been fearful, but I always chose, and I mean, I still have times when I, you know, fear will, will claim me, but I always try to laugh at the fear and say, in, and try to move beyond it, but it's, I still I still feel that way. In fact, the one thing that Art and Soul was really about was the fact that everybody feels fear. I mean, the most successful, like Steven Spielberg. I had an anecdote in there about him. You know, um, I, like all these people that that we really know as being so talented, they still have fear. I mean, it never completely goes away. But I think the mark of someone that's successful is to go ahead and do it anyway and that doesn't mean you always do it anyway there's days I you know maybe act on my fear instead of on the higher self but I think when you if more times than not you can act on your higher self and you know and and answer the higher calling and focus on what you want instead of what you're afraid of um, I think you know you'll you'll continue to move in that direction and that's you know what I hope for and and I think it also gets easier and easier as you do it more because you realize as you let go of the fears you realize wow that was crazy that fear was totally unfounded and it's the same way with doing these experiments in the book you know when you get a little bit of um you know practical experience under your belt and you realize so you have more ammunition when that fear starts talking to you because you know that fear is always sending memos you know the ego the fear whatever you want to call it's always sending you memos hey by the way you know you should listen to this so but we always have the choice are we going to listen to that or we're going to listen to the higher calling so so i guess i just don't want anybody to think that i never have any fear or whatever but but um so no, I have. I I have my demons like everyone else. But um, but I just choose to to listen to that other possibility more often than I choose to listen to the fear. I guess would be how I'd sum it up. <laughs> I don't know right. if that's so helpful, but yeah. No, it is because um, it's it's about using it as a tool rather than as something that will defeat the person. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So were most of your books inspired from the travels that you did? About half of my books are travel books, and half of them are um, uh, inspirational type books or self-help or, you know, the Hay House type of book, even though this is the first one that's actually with Hay House. Um, So I've I've done three books for National Geographic. I've done a girlfriend's getaway guide. There was a huge trend with that. This book actually came out before the the trend did, but, you know, it's traveling with your girlfriends. Um, I've done a book, Kansas Curiosities, about – unusual things you can find in Kansas. Like you were talking about that Cancun article. I've got a whole series that I do only in, like only in Albuquerque, only in Cook Islands or some of the recent ones, only in Charleston. And these are things, one-of-a-kind things you will only find there. And that's what the book Kansas Curiosities was about, only in, or, you know, well, I actually have a book called You Know You're in Kansas When, but also Kansas Curiosities about things you will find only in Kansas and kind of quirky, crazy things. And that totally appeals to me. So, <laughs> so anyway, I like 
I said, I'm I'm across the board on my on my books. Now, right. actually, um, uh, there uh, Eisenhower made it into Kansas Curiosities. Is that right? Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. So, so. Oh, go ahead. So, who who inspires you? Like on a just in big terms or on a daily basis or, you know, however you'd like to answer that? Well, I would say my main spiritual practice is the Course in Miracles. Um, and I do it every day. And, um, you know, it's, it's basically changing your thought system, changing from the ego thought system to, you know, the higher thought system. So I do that every day. Um, I read a lot of different um, authors, I liked. I love Marianne Williamson. She writes a lot about the Course in Miracles. Um, oh, in fact, I heard um, a little YouTube from Jim Carrey. He said that you know they should start the Jim Carrey wing at a bookstore because he you know he's into all the self help stuff. Well, I feel the same thing about me. You know, I, I if you looked at my library, I mean, I've read all the books that have come out. You know, Wayne Dyer. In fact, just recently, Wayne Dyer. In fact, that's why the book's probably gone on to the best sellers. Wayne Dyer read it and has been doing the experiments. And you know, he was my my hero back when I was in my 20s, you know, I used to read his books. So that's just such a thrill for me to think that, oh, wow, now he's reading a book of mine. So I guess so many different people have inspired me over the years. Um, you know, I've read all the all the books that are out there. I mean, not, maybe not all of them, but I've read, you know, a lot of them. Well, I want you to know that the, the way that, that we found you is a um, post from, from Wayne Dyer on Facebook. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, let me just reach out to, to, to Pam. You know, Laura and I talked about him and said, oh, she'd be perfect for the show. Let's, let's see. Let's see if she's available. So um, thrilled to, to have found you that way. So you're definitely the, the social media aspect um, is definitely working for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as so, I said to somebody yesterday, I'm going to have to send Wayne Dyer a pony. And I don't know why I said a pony, but I have to send him a gift of some kind because uh, – <laughs> You know, he, he definitely helps with my book, for sure. Right. Well, you've, you've done so much traveling, and, you know, it's incredible, uh, all the different cultures you must have, you know, come across. What, what, what are the main uh, things that you've, put, that you've taken from all these journeys as far as just what you recognize about humans and just no matter how much diversity there is, what the common thread is that you find, or just some philosophies or just things that you just – you know, came to understand because of all this traveling? Well, I think I might have already known this, but basically, you know, we're all exactly the same. (laughs) You know, we might, some of us live in cities, some of us live in little towns, some of us live, but, you know, at, at our core, we're all the same. And in fact, we're all actually one, we're all connected. But, um, you know, when you go out to some little village in Africa or something and you realize the people there, you know, want the best for their kids, just like I want the best for my daughter. I mean, you know, and most people just want to be happy, you know, and have enough, you know, food and clothing for their for their families. I mean, I think we're all just really at the heart at the heart, we're all exactly the same. And, you know, we, we talk about these differences and we look at these differences, but they're, they're not really, I mean, they are there on the material plane, but they're not. We're all one on a bigger spiritual plane. And you really realize that as you travel. You know, everybody likes to laugh. I mean, you know, we're all, we're all the same, I think would be my biggest uh, thing that I've probably learned from traveling. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Um, 
what what are the limits to our ability to create our realities? Well, I believe there are no limits. I mean, I think the only limitations are the ones we believe in. And at this stage, you know, most of us do have a few that we believe in. But I think, you know, anything's possible. I mean, I really do believe that, you know, we, we manifest what we focus upon. And, I mean, you know, hey, Jesus could, um, you know, take one fish and one loaf or whatever that was and, you know, make, make it in to feed thousands. So, I mean, I think anything is possible, including flying, humans flying, I mean, any of that stuff. I mean, I, I at this point, um, you know, don't know how to make that happen. But, again, it couldn't be me making it happen anyway. But, but anyway, so I believe, um, you know, there are no limits. I really do think it's all completely unlimited except those we impose upon, you know, what's possible. Right. Can, can, I know you've mentioned stuff about the uh, energy experiments. Can you just maybe go into it a little bit more just so people just really understand what this book is about? Because it just seems so valuable, especially with where we're at right now on the planet. Well, there's nine, I call them energy experiments, and each one proves a different principle. And, of course, I named them kind of funny things. Um, like the first one is called The Dude Abides, and that's from um, The Big Lebowski, that movie. There, you know, that Jeff Bridges was The Dude Abides. In fact, a lot of people have sent me little um, emails about how they you know, decided to ask for the blessing, which is the first experiment, and they, they go out and they see that bumper sticker you know, with Jeff Bridges and The Big Lebowski or whatever. But... Um, so the first one is that there is a force. There is a force that has your back, basically, is, is what the first one is, and that's the dude abides. And, um, you know, is there a force out there that you can depend on, that you can manipulate, that has your best interest at heart? And so that's the first one. Um, the second one is, you know, whatever you focus on expands, or basically, you know, you draw from this big field of energy through your thoughts and consciousness, and then that is the Volkswagen Jetta principle, and that being that, you know, when you decide you're going to buy a new car, you think, oh, this is a, such a unique car. I, I'll be the only one in town to drive it. And then you start looking around. You've drawn it into your consciousness, and then you find these cars everywhere. So, so basically, you know, we draw out of, you know, our awareness what we have chosen to focus upon. So that's the second one. So anyway, there's just nine experiments with things that are truths about the way the world works. And this is the experiments with the, the 48 hour, and I think there's one that's 72 hours time frame helps you um, get this principle down. So I guess that's, you know, basically there's just the nine experiments um, that prove nine different principles. Mm, very interesting. So in relation to all this, Pam, what, what has been your biggest challenge in life? My biggest challenge in life, well, I think um, the times that I choose to listen to the ego um, would probably be the biggest challenge. Cause, and, I mean, I did go through a period, as I mentioned, you know, when I started the George Clooney Slept Here, before that, you know, I was a successful travel writer, um, writing for a lot of big magazines, and I still do that. But a lot of those magazines cut back, you know, when the publishing industry cut back, um, you know, they uh, – the, the publishers were buying less books, the magazines. I mean, People Magazine that I wrote for, they closed like five or six of their bureaus, and they're still a very successful magazine. But you know what I mean? Everybody was cutting back. So I got into a little bit of fear mode around that um, for a while, like, oh, wow, I'm not going to be able to continue doing this. And, you know, as my fear raised up and, you know, started blabbing and sending me all those memos, 
you know, and I did buy into it for a while. I, you know, then of course experienced that, you know, I was, um, you know, selling less books. It was harder to sell, you know, that kind of a thing. And I, I really did go through a period where I, I mean, I used the very same principles that allow me to be successful to allow me to, you know, be curtailed by what I was doing because I was living in fear a little bit. So, like I said, I, I'm certainly not without fear, but my biggest challenge would be those times that I do listen to the ego or do listen to the, the headlines, the dominant paradigm, instead of, um, you know, deciding what I want um, my life to be, deciding what I want um, to be the truth, <laughs> or what I do believe is the truth. I mean, I believe this very firmly that this is the truth, that we are meant to be abundant and loving and happy, and that is the truth, and, and only we can block it. But, but so, yeah, my challenge would be those times that I choose to block it or choose to buy into the fear or whatever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts about just some of the weird uh, alternative news that comes out about conspiracy and extraterrestrials? Do you ever bump into that kind of stuff in your travels or just in your – just own processes about just where we are in the world? Oh, um, I do hear some things. I've got a friend that's really into conspiracy theories. Um, so I find it interesting. I mean, I take it to be entertaining. I don't, um, I don't buy into any kind of doom and gloom type conspiracies, although, I, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to listen. But, um, you know, I just prefer to choose, you know, kind of a higher reality um, as far as conspiracies, like some of the, the negative conspiracies. Um, but, you know, I, but as far as extraterrestrials, all that kind of stuff, I mean, I believe, like I said, anything's possible, so I'm not about to discount it. I myself have not met E.T. or any of his cousins, but, but certainly I believe that's possible and would be open to that. You know, I'm open to, you know, anything. <laughs> right. So, um all of this uh, is bringing a lot of attention your way, you know, being New York Times bestseller list, this and that. Um, how comfortable are you with all of this now? Well, I'm becoming more comfortable. I mean, I, I've always been able to do all of my business, you know, myself. I've been, you know, I'm my PR person. I'm my, you know, secretary. I mean, I do everything in the Pam Grout business or whatever, you know, I'm it. But I think nowadays I'm hearing from so many people and getting, you know, offers like this to talk on the radio and that kind of thing. I mean, potentially down the road, I could possibly have to hire, you know, an assistant or something like that. Um, And I really like, you know, being able to be my little anonymous self here in my little office in Kansas. I mean, there's, it's really nice, but I also really enjoy sharing with people. And like I said, for the most part, it's really positive, happy people that already, you know, believe this stuff. So it's, it's really fun. And I, in a, a story that I've told on the blog, you know, this book, which is now, you know, on the New York Times bestseller list, I actually published it um, first under a different title. It was called God Doesn't Have Bad Hair Days. And I think it came out in 2001, maybe, or something like that. And I loved it. I mean, I always loved that book, but it, it did nothing. It just kind of went, uh, dived into the, and I think what I, when I look back at it now, I feel that maybe at that time I wasn't ready to, um, to be out there in, a, in such a public way and to, you know, have demands on my time and that kind of thing the way I am ready now. You know, maybe had Oprah called me on that book, which, of course, I wanted her to, um, I, I might have been too intimidated, you know what I mean, to get on, mm-hmm. oh, wow, with Oprah. So, no, I feel like I am ready for the big time, so to speak. Um, and, and, and I kind of think that perhaps that's why 
the book in its first version didn't, you know, didn't take off the way I had intended how I thought that I was intending. I think I still had, you know, some blocks and maybe some fear that, oh, I, you know, maybe I'm not ready. What if Oprah calls? What will I do? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I was, I think maybe some of that, those inner voices might have been. But so now I do feel, I do feel ready and I feel much more confident and happy and, you know, kind of aware that my life is changing, but, but really happy and happy for that. So, yeah, I mean, opportunities are just coming at me like I, every day, which is really wonderful. I mean, it's just amazing. And I'm embracing everyone. Right. No, it's incredible. So um, in your times of, you know, maybe going through personal challenges and, um, you know, all that type of stuff, and with all the work that you do, you know, how do you, how do you balance everything? Because, you know, there's always ups and downs. There's always demands and just, you know, so much happening. And to be able to live the dream in the way that you have, you know, how – I mean, can you just tell us a little bit more about how you manifested this incredible lifestyle and just how you stay balanced with all that it demands? Well, I do have some tools that I use. Um, I'm a fan of Byron Katie. I don't know if you know her work, but it's mm-hmm. where you ask the four questions of, of your thoughts. So if I'm having some kind of a tough challenge like, you know, a thought's um, you know, obsessively running through my mind, and it's maybe not one that makes me happy. I, I have that tool of doing the work. In fact, I have a friend. We get together um, sometimes twice a month, and we'll do the work together. It's called the work, where you you know you question your thoughts. And so I have that tool. And there's something that's you know kind of driving me, like oh, I'm afraid of this or that. I can do the work on it. So I have that particular tool. Um, again, the Course in Miracles. I do that every day. I, I like to meditate. And so I think, you know, by starting on a good note, starting um, with the intention of how you want each day to be, I mean, really trying to live in the now as much as possible is really important. But I think, like I said, I do have some of these tools when I do see myself straying from, you know, fear. but I think now my momentum I, I'm such that I, I recognize it really quickly if, if some thought is trying to catch my attention that, you know, maybe doesn't serve my highest purpose or what I really want. And I think I catch it a whole lot quicker these days than I, maybe I did before. But, again, I have some of these tools like the Byron Katie work and, um, you know, I've done some of the tapping work that Nick Ortner talks about. So, I, you know, I've got a few tools that, that I can use if, if, you know, anything does rear its ugly head in my <laughs> life. Right. So, so this is interesting. You, this, this book goes back, um, or the, the foundation of this book goes back several years. Um, what, from, from your perspective, Pam, is the next sort of leading or cutting edge in, um, you know, sort of leaps of consciousness, which your book would be a leap of consciousness for, for most people that aren't allowing themselves to believe it and to have proof and everything. What's, where's this all taking us? Well, I would like to see more and more people designing their lives and getting it that they are loved and that they have this power because I really think that as people recognize that, they won't have the need to hoard things. I mean, I think fear is what causes us to hoard things, which causes some of the imbalances. I mean, if you talk about a big worldwide view, you know, some of the imbalances are, I think, mostly caused out of fear. You know, people start hoarding things and needing this and needing that because they're fearful. And as people 
realize that whatever they need is right there at their fingertips. I mean, once you get that and once you realize that you can manifest and create anything, then you don't need to hoard things, which will create you know, more balance in the world as far as you know, the haves and the have-nots. Um, it will create um, people being happier. I don't think we'd have to deal with a lot of crime and things like that as people you know, come to claim their power. So, I mean, I think as people you know, catch on to this and realize how much internal power they have and how much their inner creates the outer world, I think, you know, we'll have a much more peaceful, happier planet. So, I mean, that's my, you know, highest intention is that, you know, we'll do away with war and do away with, you know, conflict and things like that and that people will be happy and everybody, you know, is living a creative, happy life and that might sound far-fetched. People, oh, well, that can't happen. Well, that's fine if you want to think that, but I, I choose to believe that it can happen. And, you know, I, I see miracles every day, so that's, that's what I'm holding on for. Yeah, right, definitely. Awesome. So what are your thoughts about, you know, just maybe somebody born into an underprivileged family or have been victimized or abused? I mean, do you think it's karma or do you think that it's just maybe stuff that they're still holding on to from – you know, maybe past lives or, you know, how would a person in a really, really tough situation start to pull themselves out of it? Or do you see us as the ones responsible to really, um, you know, make that change or assist? I mean, wh- what are your thoughts? I, I'm not well, sure I think, how to word this. But. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we only have the responsibility for our own thoughts. I mean, I can't change anybody else's thoughts, but I think as my thoughts become more peaceful, um, more joyful, that kind of thing, then some of these problems will take care of themselves. And as for, I mean, I do think we are all one. So as long as there's one person that is not fed, I mean, I still have work to do. As long as there is one person that is being abused, I still have work to do. You know what I mean? I, but, it, but it's my internal work. It's not necessarily, I mean, and, and as you start listening to your guidance to, um, you know, when, what's yours to do will become very apparent, you know, because there are, we all do have assignments, so to speak, or, you know, things that we're meant to do. And as we, um, as we, you know, get more in touch with that, we will know real clearly what to do, you know, where it's ours to do to, to, to address some, you know, difficulty or something that, that needs, that someone else needs to be helped with. But, um, but ultimately, the work is always with the inner, the inner, the the personal and and as we change internally then you know our external world will change and that includes everybody and I do think we're all connected and so it's very very high work very valuable work to to work on yourself and to get yourself happy so to speak but as far as how to address those issues you know things that have happened in the past that maybe weren't pleasant and again this sounds really simplistic but we really need to take the spotlight off the problem or off the lack off the thing that isn't working and direct the spotlight on even if there's one tiny little thread that's working right like here's a small little again simplistic example a friend of mine you know it hurt injured her right foot and of course you know as soon as you get injured you start oh man my foot hurts you know you're really focusing on that injury well she decided she was going to start focusing on her left foot which was perfectly fine (laughs) I mean you know and again that's just simplistic but we have to think of and, and, and you know her right foot eventually healed up just fine so the point is we really do need to continue to focus on whatever is working again on the blessings on the miracles and I don't care how bad a life is there is always 
there is always a blessing. There's a tiny little corner of a scarf you can pull through a big hole. You know, you know, you just have to grab that little tiny scarf and to start focusing more on the blessings and on what is working instead of on what isn't working. Because as long as we keep harping about what isn't working or what happened in the past or what, you know, what terrible wrong has been done to us, we will continue to live in that energy. But we can recognize a newer way, a different way, however small it might be at this point, and then just continue to grow it. As we focus upon it, as we think about the good things more and more, that tends to grow. I mean, whatever we focus on grows. I mean, that our attention to something makes it grow. I mean, that's why the book has a lot of quantum, um, quantum physics in it, because these are all things you know, that they're finding out in physics labs all over that our attention, I mean, there is no world except for the, the perceiver of the world. I mean, what we perceive creates reality. I mean, it's, it's so um, mind-boggling. It's hard to even get your mind around it. But it's just super important to really look for and focus on, you know, what we want. So, Pam, as, as people are, as more people are waking up to let's say, the truer nature of reality than what they've been exposed to or allowed uh, themselves to filter in before. As they're waking up to this, um, one of the things we get a lot are, are people wondering, you know, well, what is the why of their existence? You know, what, what is their assignment here? What advice can you give on this? Um, Oh, yeah, I, I used to have the joke, oh, why doesn't God work in neon, you know, <laughs> I, want it, I want it all in neon. But as, I think as you start paying more attention and as you start removing some of these old paradigms and old fault conditioning, I think guidance is as natural, I think I said in the book, is, comes, speaks as clearly as Dr. Phil. I mean, you know, it, guidance is, is readily available once we are ready to listen to it. And I mean, I think we get continual guidance. And again, I think that's one of the reasons the experiments are powerful because you know you're expected to get guidance. That's one of the experiments. Um, you're going to be looking for it. You're going to expect to see it and then you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Um, so I believe guidance is always available. I think um, if it doesn't appear to be there, it's probably a good idea to to let it go for a while and, and don't obsess like, oh, I've got to have the answer now. Just let it go and then the, the answer will become really apparent. And my solution to everything is when things seem messed up or you can't figure it out is to go have the very best time you can and to open up those channels of joy because when you have the channels of joy open, then the answers come, the manifestation comes, whatever it is you're wanting to come when your channels of joy are open. So I you know, say, you know, pump your fist in the air and do a, do the Harlem shuffle on the way to the bathroom. And, you know, just do, you know, really get in that happy place. <laughs> um, and, and everything's, everything will come to you. You know, you've got to lure the, just like the suitor luring the, the beautiful woman, you know, you've got to lure the stuff by being happy. I mean, who wants to, who wants to date a, a sad sack? You know what I mean? You be happy and all the stuff will come to you. Sure. Sure. Uh, Pam, are, are your parents still with us here? Yeah, yeah. And They're not is, with me right at this moment, but they are both still alive, yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. Tell me, what, what do they think of all this that you're doing and, and just how your life has turned out? Well, I mean, I think there's members of my family that are praying for my soul, perhaps. You know, again, I come from 
a Methodist background. But um, for the most, I mean, I think they're happy for me. I think they're they're always amazed at all the places I'm traveling to. I mean, I, you know, again, my father was a Methodist minister, so we didn't have the money to go beyond the, the station wagon. You know, we, we put the gas in the car back when gas was 19 cents a gallon or whatever. You know, it's really cheap, and that's how we would travel the world or travel the U.S., basically, um, on the highways that, you know, that – Einstein, or not Einstein, um, Eisenhower created for us all the highway system. So we took, um, you know, we, we took a lot of trips that way. So I think they're happy that I'm traveling, and they, they just are, you know, love to hear all the interesting stories about the places that I'm going next, and I think that's because all of them like to travel. I think everybody in my family likes to travel. So I think, yeah, they're happy for me. And, and is that what really inspired just your childhood, just the interest in travel? Probably, yeah, yeah. And what would you say, I know this is kind of a weird question, and I'm sure you get annoyed by these sort of questions, but is there anything that stands out as like the most eye-opening, sort of life-altering experience as far as, you know, your travels and what you've brought forward in your work, you know, that just really stands out as like the peak of your experiences? Well, I always like to joke, you know, people will a lot of times ask you that as a, as a traveler. They'll say, oh, well, where's your favorite place? Or, you know, a similar question like, what's the top one? And honestly, it's always the last place I ever was. I mean, because that's what I'm just thinking about. So I guess um, the peak experience, um, I guess, you know, playing pickleball this morning. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm always kind of um, just you know, happy for what just happened probably. So I cannot at this moment, I could probably think about, and I could probably write some down if I had a moment to think about it, but nothing is coming to me off the top of my head as as that one peak experience. I mean, I guess I want every experience to be peak, every moment to be peak, and to believe that unceasing joy could be possible. I mean, a lot of people, I... You know, I, I, they have appointed me the mayor of Crazy Town. Like, how can you be unceasingly joyful? Well, I, I believe that I can, and I, that's, that's what I intend to do. So I, you know, I have one peak experience after another, actually. I'm so glad I asked now because that answer is just awesome, and I can really relate, so I love it. Best answer ever to that question. Oh, cool. Well, thank you. <laughs> Now, Pam, I know that one of your um, in the in your foundation beliefs is that we're all in this together, and and I know you put a lot of value on um, creating and supporting together. Talk to us about that, and what are some of the the challenges when you're you know taking this vibration or this frequency to the highest level with choosing the right people to be supported by and to support. Wow. Well, you know, I've never made a whole lot of distinctions or, you know, like this thing's more valuable than that thing or this person's more valuable than that person. I mean, I, I believe, again, because I believe everyone's creative. I mean, you find jewels everywhere, you know, jewels, amazing things you want to read just because it didn't make the New York Times bestseller list. It doesn't mean, you know what I mean? It might be better than most of the books on it. You know, so, um, so I guess I don't make distinctions in that way. Um, so I guess I want to support I tend to be, in fact, I was joking uh, with somebody, it's like anybody that, you know, calls and asks me to go to lunch or to have tea or to do an interview or whatever, you're like, okay, sure. I mean, I'm kind of open to everything. And I suppose the only reason I would not be would be if I just get to where, you know, I can no longer write because I'm so busy doing all these, you know, things or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I'm pretty pretty open to everything. So I don't know that I have a criteria, 
at least at this point, of you know who I would choose to support and not support. At this point, I support every single every person, and I do want to support every single person. I may not have time to support every person, you know what I mean, or, right. or whatever. But as long as I do, I I definitely want to. But you have like a a your inner circle that I mean, you were talking about how you you do the Byron Katie work with someone and this and that. Mm-hmm. So that's more what I'm talking about. Is oh okay, like, like those, where where you're focusing on your experience and bringing someone into to to the heart of of how you're creating to get their support and to support them. Yeah, well, I've met a lot of people that I do this kind of work with through, um, I go to a Unity Church here in Lawrence, Kansas, and I've met quite a few people through that. I've got a, a group of Scrabble players. We get together every Tuesday night and play Scrabble, and they actually... Um, you know, are very spiritual too, so we have a lot of good conversations there. So I just, I mean, I also believe, you know, in fact, I think it's really important to have a group like that, to have a uh, inner circle, so to speak, of people who you can talk about this kind of stuff with, because I think once you share with others, the energy really does grow exponentially. I mean, I think it's very important to get a group together. And I, you know, sometimes people will email me and say, well, how do I get a group together where I am? I mean, I do believe, you know, we're all magnets, you know, we're attracting our, you know, whatever, wherever we are, we're going to attract people similar to us or whatever. So, and on some level you can um know that you will attract that like i really wanted to be in a couple groups like that you know where we talk about this kind of stuff and sure enough i i attracted that into my life so i think just naturally we're going to attract that kind of thing i mean we're going to attract people that are sort of you know energetically matched with us um same way as you ding a tuning fork in a somewhere you're going to get all the c C majors, if yours is C major or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll get the tuning fork like yours. So I think you tend to, you know, gravitate and find those people. Um, but, I, you know, I, and I guess people that share my interests, I love talking about this kind of stuff. I love spiritual things. I love talking about possibilities and new ideas and creativity. So anybody that resonates with that kind of an idea, with those kind of things, that's who I'm going to, you know, probably attract into my life. I mean, that's what I really enjoy and that's what I look for and, and want. And I love talking about, you know, new ideas. I love, um, yeah, so I love all that. Cause I mean, then, you know, with the Byron Katie work, there's, I've got a friend, she enjoys that as well. So, you know, that's, you know, something we do. And I've got a couple different groups that I get together with. Um, in fact, tomorrow is my spiritual entrepreneurs group. We meet for breakfast the first and third Wednesday of the month. And I so look forward to getting together with those guys. And we made the rule early on that we were only going to talk about what was working. Because, you know, sometimes with those kind of groups, you get together and you talk about, oh, you know, I'm having trouble with this or whatever. And, yeah, you know, we could find something like that to talk about, I'm sure. But we always talk about what's going right. And it's just so much fun. I mean, I walk away from that group just just having such a blast. I mean, I just feel so happy. And I think we all need groups like that, people like that, that make us feel really happy. Because, you know, we want to keep our energy as high and as positive as we possibly can. Or I do. I think most people probably would agree with that. So um, it, it's useful to have, you know, groups and friends like that that, that make you feel that way, the way you want to be. Mm-hmm. So any uh, new adventures or ideas for a new book uh, in the works? Well, I've got, you know, E-Cube coming up. That's my next big, long project. I've also got a couple travel articles I'm pretty excited about. I'm going to Turkey in September. Did I already mention this? No. 
Okay, yeah, I'm going to Turkey in September, and then I'm going to Namibia in um, October. And I'm ex- excited about both of those trips. I'm also possibly, I mean, this goes to show that once you open those channels, you know, things will just come to you. I had a, um, a group of resorts call, contact me about, about doing a, children's, a series of children, children's books at each of their four properties. One's in Zanzibar, one's in... Um, Tunis, one's in the Maldives, and I can't remember the fourth one is. So likely I'll be going to those four places in this series. It's like folklore, children's folklores, and it's a, a really beautiful book that will be produced, you know, like for parents to read to their kids at night when they're staying at that property to kind of learn a little bit about the culture, um, you know, from that country when they're traveling there. These are real upscale resorts where, you know, the people you know maybe want to give back or whatever, and they're going to build a library. So that that's kind of on the horizon. That's that's coming up. But I mean, the big project for now really is getting this e cubed, if that's the name that that sticks, um, prepared and, and and to the publisher. So that's going to take up. You know, when I'm in the midst of a, a book project, you know, it takes quite a bit of time. In fact, that's why I started writing books because I wanted to be home, you know, with my daughter instead of traveling. So um, that's kind of uh, you know what's on the horizon. You know, coming up. I also have, and this is a project I'm super excited about. I've written a television series, and um, it's it takes place at an eco village. Um, it's called Milagro Springs. Again, Miracle Springs. That's you know, Milagro in Spanish is Miracle mm-hmm. in Spanish um, in English. But anyway, um, so it's a, kind of like a, a self help. They do yoga classes there, and they have a hot springs, and they sit there, and it's it's like promoting you know sustainability and that kind of thing. But these six characters are there, and then you know people come and do the different workshops and stuff. And so it's a television series. I jokingly call it Sex in the Country. <laughs> you know, you've heard of Sex in the City. So, but anyway, um, I I've got that developed. And I'm, you know, hoping to move on to that. Like I said, I'm pretty, pretty tied up at the moment getting E cubed out. But, um, but yeah, there's all kinds of kinds of fun things coming up. So, so Pam, do the little teaser about E cubed. Get our pique our interest in in what the next level to E squared is. Well, it's going to have. Like okay, so how I've got it so far is there's going to be some tweaks in consciousness. Like these would be like more square one things because there's a lot of things we know, but we need little. Like for example, here's one little tweak. We tend to believe this stuff, but then we'll go, oh, but it's hard to do. One of the I say the most dangerous word in the English language is it's hard. The word hard, it's hard to do. It's easy to do. You want to really get it into your consciousness that everything can go smooth and easy, smooth and easy. So I mean, so it will start with some of these tweaks that we need to make, and then it also has some experiments that are kind of moving into a higher level. So it'll, some of the tweaks with the like ground floor stuff when you know the, it isn't working for you, like get some of these little shifts in consciousness that we need to make. That that things can be easy is just one example of a tweak and I've got like maybe 10 different tweaks that we can do that can really make a huge difference and you know it's kind of like again a sort of a ground floor um, consciousness that you need to get to kind of move on to these other levels and then the uh, then the last part of the book or probably half or maybe three quarters again it's it's all coming together it's not totally finished it will be some of these um, uh, higher experiments are not higher but maybe a little bit more difficult it might take a little bit longer and again there I well, see I just said it difficult they will not be difficult they will be easy <laughs> see I really try to catch myself now when I you know use terminology or wording that you know doesn't serve me I mean I really want to make everything easy so they won't be more difficult they'll be more they'll be deeper or perhaps um, last a little longer <laughs> let's put it that way oh I got you 
Okay. Well, that'll be um, that'll be exciting. I'm 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 looking forward to it. We just downloaded um, uh, E squared on Kindle, which, by the way, at two dollars and fifty one cents, I almost felt bad for the the, the situation. <laughs> just, I know it's amazingly it's cheap. So I, cheap. I don't have any say in that, although. You know, I would like everybody to, to get this, you know, to, to, to learn all this stuff. So maybe it's a good thing that it's really inexpensive. So, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to put that out there for people that for $2.51 you can get a copy of this. Or the hardcover, I think, was 12 or, or 13 and so that's available. Um, Pam, I did have a question for you. You know, you've traveled the world, amazing experiences. Um, but you've chosen to live in the Midwest, which me being from Nebraska is dear to my heart. But share with us your take on Kansas and the Midwest and what, that, what that's like for you, having experienced so much else. Well, um, you know, I was born in Kentucky, but I lived a lot of my life in Kansas. And when I was pregnant with Tasman, um, I did move back to the Midwest. I was actually in a car you know, seven months pregnant, driving across the country, thinking I was going to Colorado. But then I got back to Kansas where a lot of familiar people were, and then I ended up just staying here. And I guess because I travel a lot, I mean, this is the heart of the country. This is the center. So it's easy to get around to other places in the country. And occasionally it does take a while to get to, you know, foreign destinations because I first got to go to either L.A. or New York, you know, then to move on. But but it, it, it's a good place, and it was a great place to raise my daughter. Daughter. And, um, you know, I'm open to other possibilities. I've been, you know, very happy here. I've got two books out about Kansas, and it's, it's a great place. And, um, yeah, so, so I don't know. I mean, you know, with my TV series, I, I could see me possibly living elsewhere. So, you know, I'm open to that, too. Great. Wow. Um, so where do you think we're heading as a collective? And, and um, just earth changes and just when you think of, you know, what's ahead of us. Well, I like to think we're trending to more openness and positivity. And one of the things I noticed, I was watching um, the women's finals in Wimbledon. And as they, the two, you know, the two finalists, the, the first and second place, finished the match, they walked off together arm in arm. And that was, or, you know, with their arms wrapped around each other, like uh, acknowledging each other. And I thought, what a beautiful thing. You know, usually that's so competitive and you don't like your opponent and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I thought, oh, wow, look at this. They're, they're actually friends and they're actually, you know, they had fun with this or, or whatever. I'm sure the person that lost was disappointed. But you know what I mean? It's like I liked seeing that kind of a trend, a trend of more openness, a trend of more. I mean, in some ways it might look like, if you look at the apparent reality, it might look like things are really – not are very divisive and not working so well, but I think maybe it's, we're seeing the last of those, you know, vestiges getting pushed out. I, mean, I think it's becoming so apparent how um, how they won't work, you know, and how unsustainable they are. So I think we're maybe you know seeing a little bit of that, the last vestiges of you know stuff that maybe isn't working, and that, but we are moving to more unity and more you know prosperity and peace along the planet. I sound like a I'm I'm. Um, running for Miss America, don't I? I want peace on the planet. <laughs> so um, what's your daughter's take on all this? I mean, she's watched you over the years, obviously, and now, you know, here she is at college, and mom's on the New York Times bestseller list. And um, what, what, what is she, what's her response to all of this? 
Oh, well, she's really happy for me. I mean, she's known I've wanted this for a long time. I mean, she likes to rib me about stuff, too. You know, we have a, we have a, we joke a lot with each other. Um, but, no, she's, she's super happy about it, and um, I think she's in, enjoying it, too. I mean, you know. So, yeah, I, I don't know what her exact take is other than, you know, she's happy for her mom, yeah. Yeah, and it's probably just really inspiring. And just it's just so helpful just to know that, you know, our creative energy, our imagination, and just all of that are the greatest tools to manifest our reality, and so you certainly live that. Um, can you let uh, our listeners know anything important coming up um, as far as, you know, where to get a hold of you and just what your websites are and all that kind of stuff? Well, my website, the well, again, it's pamgrout.com. That's kind of the one where I blog about some of the topics from E-squared, and that's I've started blogging, I guess it was back in December. So I've been blogging now for about six or seven months and kind of did it. I said, oh, I'll do it for a couple of months because, you know, that's what the book suggested, the platform. And, but I liked it so much that I've continued to do it, and I really, you know, I'm having fun with the blogging. Um, so pamgrout.com is a good place to find me. Um, the travel site, for those that want to read about that, is um, georgeclooneysleptheer.com. But my travel writing also can be found in places like CNN Travel or Men's Journal. Um, I've written for, oh, I do quite a bit of things for the Huffington Post. So, yeah, you can kind of find me all over the place if you just Google, Google my name. But my, my, my uh, website, pamgrout.com, is probably the, the best place to, to find me. Wonderful. That's perfect. Pam, it's been such a treat to have you on. I want to give you just um, an opportunity right now if there's something we didn't ask or you weren't able to bring up or just some, just something you want to just share from the core of your being um, for us and, and for our listeners. Um, no, I can't think of anything. You guys did a great job. You, an- you asked me a lot of wonderful questions. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think we covered it. <laughs> well, we're, we're excited to um, take your book as a family. There's, we've got a 15-year-old twin boys and um, a 12-year-old daughter and, um, to, to go through as a family and, um, and have this experience. So that's, that's our plan, and uh, we will report back to you on that. But thank you so much for taking the time to, to share with us and our listeners. Yeah, thank well, you. thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. I absolutely love it. I love the opportunity for people to give themselves proof that they are creating their reality and I can't wait for us as a family to to jump into to Pam's experiments and um, you know start giving ourselves this experience I mean we've already done it in so many aspects of our life but it'll be fun to do with the kids yeah exactly I mean I think you know we definitely know that our thoughts create our reality but we don't realize how our thoughts screw up our reality and sometimes, you know, people don't catch themselves quickly enough and then they end up feeling like a victim. And that's why it's such an re- important reminder because when everything's great, it's like, yeah, it's easy to validate that. But when things aren't so great, it's like, okay, well, what are we doing that's feeding it or why are we in judgment of it? And that's, so it's awesome. That's like the most important time to connect with our thoughts creating reality when things aren't showing up the way we would like them to. So this is, um, this is great. And two weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, what I love about this is, yeah, and for us and, and possibly most of the people that listen to our, our program, Thoughts Creating Reality is, you know, already um, in the foundational uh, belief area. But um, 
getting such broad recognition and, and readership to make it to the New York Times bestseller list says that it's just another piece assisting in the evolution of the collective. Definitely. I mean, people really want to feel empowered. And, you know, even if people don't understand the deeper conspiracies going on, I think that they really sense that something is lacking from within that could allow their life to go more smoothly and more about just their, you know, heart and passion and truth and what they really want to do. And that we do have the ability to make that leap. And some people don't feel empowered enough. It's not just some lucky few. It's all of us. Yeah, we all came here for this experience. And so, um, I mean, and that is a great point. This is open to everyone, not just, you know, the people writing books or the people with radio shows or these speakers or those presenters or that guru or whatever. You know, that's just, that's all the old paradigm stuff. It is truly available to every single one of us right now. Yay. Oh. Like right I, now, I'm just I'm so ready to just create some awesome thoughts for the day <laughs> tomorrow. Gosh, because it's getting late. <laughs> I love it. Well, we really do, um, you know, embrace all of this, and it's just so nice to have um, all this great information available and um, the opportunity to to get it out there. And so. Um, Good stuff. We've got um, some some really good things coming up. Um, now next week we have uh, we're we have a live show next week, um, and that is going to be with Ethan Fox, and this is definitely a big deal. He's doing a, an energetic. Um, that needs to be on a live radio show. So the people that listen to it live um, will be feeling this um, really powerful energetic that he does. So that's big uh, for next week. And we've got a number of other uh, speakers lined up. We're just waiting on on confirmations now. As far as um, our events and things going on. Of course, we've been talking about it this whole show, Contact in the Desert, this weekend. And then October 4th, 5th, and 6th in Sarasota, Florida, uh, we will be with Lisa Renee and Tom Lesher and Andrew Bartis and Teal Scott at the first annual Return to Atlantis conference. Yep. Good stuff and this ahead. Is, this is going to be fun. This is the first time that you and Lisa Renee have been on the on the uh, podium together, so to speak, or the, you know, the, the list of speakers together. Yeah. Oh gosh. I just, I, you know, I just drift off into, I don't know if it's past lives or just, it, just some other dimension where I'm just like, we're like, I'm right by her. I, I can't even explain the connection I feel with this woman. And I'm just, I even could get a lump in my throat just thinking about it. I think she's just amazing. Um, and I'm looking forward to meeting the other speakers and uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, and, 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 uh-huh. and then the following weekend, so I mean, we're, we're down in Florida, and then the following weekend, we pop up to Detroit, Michigan, October 11, 12, and 13 for the Awake and Empowered Expo. And um, this is Ethan Fox and his amazing team are putting this together. Uh, Kerry Cassidy will be there, Mark Romero, Michael Tellinger, um, Fully Raw Christina, Meredith Smith, um, there, it just the lineup is great, and and what fun it'll be uh, to be in Detroit. I know Detroit's made the news recently about all this um, bankruptcy and everything else, but let's see if we can go there and uh, anchor some really powerful energies. Yep, definitely. And then um, 
November 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, we will be in Palm Springs, California for the 2013 event of the year, Star Knowledge Conference 11.11. And, um, oh, I'm just looking at the lineup right now. We, we just love these conferences. Um, and this will be no exception. They seem to just be getting better and better. Oh, gosh, I know. And it, it just, it's so grounding, and I just, oh, so grateful for the Star Knowledge family, and that's going to be a fun one. Definitely. Oh, it's going to be great, and we're taking our kids to this one. Oh, good, good, good. Yes, I knew that. <laughs> I'm really excited. <laughs> I've been wanting to get them to a Star Knowledge conference, and uh, so glad we had the summer trip with them, and I know that they're just going to love it. So that's going to be great. Now, we've got some other events coming up um, in Northern and Southern California and some other things. We're just not um, confirmed on all of it now, but we will be announcing that in the near future and look for people like Neil Kramer to be coming on our uh, radio show in the near future also. Yep. And Anything you want to close out with, Ms. Laura? Oh, just uh, enthusiasm. And um, really look forward to next week and just uh, connecting with, with all of you. So, yeah, I'm good. And saying good night to you all. Thank you for joining us tonight. Excellent. Thank you, everyone. It has been another exceptional week. We appreciate your support. Um, this was a tough one because we weren't able to promote this the way we normally do. But you all stepped up to assist in that. And we do appreciate it. Have a great week. And we'll see you next Tuesday with Ethan Fox. Good night. Good night. Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness. One guest at a time.